We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, 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 Irish fans, uh, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Ryan Roberts. And this is Ryan's Christmas Day, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, outside of it being, outside of, you know, opening day for Notre Dame, the draft, I mean, look at his Twitter handle, Rise and Draft. This is, this is your deal, Ryan. And so today, since this is, that is the case for today, we are going to talk exclusively about the NFL draft and how it you know how it concerns Notre Dame and what what things look like for them and where you think guys are going to go what we've been hearing all of that we're going to go right down the list of guys and uh and talk a little bit of Notre Dame draft how's your day going so far Ryan Uh, it's good man it's good it's uh obviously a little busy but you know kind of getting ready for eight o'clock tonight eastern time but you know just trying to get as much of the rumor mill stuff out of the way and I know um I just posted something on the message board about um, you know, just a little bit of a draft tidbits that are going to kind of come across, you know, during the day. And then I'm going to do some instant analysis on on some picks, each and uh, all the picks, all 261 during this uh, during this three day stretch. So just trying to give as much draft content to Irish breakdown as possible. It's it's hectic, though. <laughs> it's very hectic. It's a weird it's a weird year for NFL draft. too. It's very strange. So. That is a fact. I mean, th- yeah. There is and, and people have kind of commented on it over uh in the chat about how chaotic this thing is probably going to be over the next three days and there's just i cannot remember a draft and i have not followed it anywhere as closely as you have but i cannot remember a draft that has just been not this clear cut especially at the top as to what is going to happen i mean i think we kind of know what's going to happen maybe at number one maybe at number two maybe and then after that it's it I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of question marks and, you know, my team's not even involved in the first round. So it's like, I wasn't really all that interested, but with the chaos that is going to potentially ensue, it's going to be must see TV for a lot of sports fans, especially football fans. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre year Vince, Cause I, I mean, just for some context to people out there last year's NFL draft 2021 had six, about 650 players that were draft eligible to be selected. This year, it's over 2,100 with with the uh, extra year COVID eligibility. Uh, so a lot of players 
went back to school. I mean, we tracked it. There were literally over 2,100 pro day workouts to kind of track this year, which is just absurd. And then you count in the fact that there's not, it's not a really great quarterback class, which makes things muddled at the top. Yeah. Jacksonville, Trent Bulky having the first pick doesn't help anything either because now it's like he's leaving his options open because I think he really wants to trade back, but I think he's going to get stuck because what teams usually trade up for quarterbacks? Quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. Quarterbacks. That's it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's bizarre, man. It's really bizarre. I mean, that many prospects, you're going to get guys on day three, which is rounds four through seven for people that don't follow it too closely that are going to have day two grades. The most day two grades I've ever given in a draft cycle is this one, but also the least amount of first round grades I've ever given too. So it's not a top heavy class, but there's a lot of depth. You're going to get steals throughout second, third round on day two, throughout four through seven. And I think there's going to be UDFA players this year where you're just, they're going to come in and some of the mid tier veterans that, you know, are, kind of on the, the older side, maybe make a li- decent amount of money, but not like the high price guys, they're going to be out of jobs because you're going to be like that cheap labor, right, is going to come in and is going to take a job because the, the talent level is not a huge drop-off. So it's it's a very strange year, very strange to say the least. Well, and do you think that this year, because of all the depth that's in the draft class, do you think that those guys, those, those UDFA guys are going to have, I don't know, more or less power when it comes to signing contracts and things like that. Are they going to have leverage because they're probably guys that maybe should have been drafted in other years? Or are they going to have less leverage because there's so many of those guys that could potentially be out there? Yeah, I think last class, it, please don't take this for you know a complete grain of salt here, but I believe last year there were 25 players or so that went undrafted that actually made more money than the first pick in the seventh round. So there is demand after the draft because, you know, guys know what they're worth, right? So the fact that there's going to be some high quality players that probably go undrafted this year, I think you're going to kind of see some, uh, some higher numbers as far as guaranteed money for the UDFAs that sign. Absolutely. But it's going to kind of be like the transfer portal, man. Like there's going to be a log jam though. Not all those guys are going to sign. Obviously. I mean, there's, Luckily, more leagues now, like the CFL's back, obviously, this True. year, USFL, the XFL starting up. So there's going to be more opportunities. But on the NFL side, there's just going to be a lot of players that don't get signed just because of sheer volume this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, so let's let's jump into the Notre Dame guys and mm-hmm. let's go right down the list. Basically from, you know, their draftability down, right? That, that's kind of where we'll we'll start. So obviously we're going to start with Kyle Hamilton. Yep. Give me the latest buzz on Kyle Hamilton. I saw that he had an interview, I think it was must have been yesterday or at least very recently where he's I'm the best player in the draft, you know, <laughs> and of course, I would expect him to say that. Um, but where, what are you hearing on Kyle Hamilton, at least the latest buzz on him? Yeah, I mean, it's a red flag for anybody that doesn't say they're the best player in the draft. You know, right. like that would be like, oh, wow, you don't really have confidence in yourself, do you, unless, man? But, unless you're Kayvon Thibodeau and he says, I don't need to be coached, which I think he oh, took that one step too far. Yeah, probably did. Probably yeah, I know did. everything. I don't need yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah, not great. I mean, you've seen him mock dress with Kyle Hamilton. I've seen him mock to number two to Detroit. I've seen him knock number three, mocked number three to the Houston Texans. I've seen him to the Giants. I've seen him to the Jets because both those teams have multiple first round picks inside the top 10, four and 10 for the Jets, five and seven for the Giants. And then you even see him at some mocks drop to like 11 to the Washington Commanders. So I think that this, I've been consistent with, I think the floor is 10 to the Jets. I don't see him falling out of the top 10, but I've talked to some people that I do respect in the business business as well. And they say that they think the Commanders is probably the last possible spot that he falls past. So I think we're talking somewhere three to 11. I think realistically the Houston Texans will have some interest with him because they don't have a quarterback need. Uh, They're going to see what they have at Davis Mills, obviously what he did as a rookie. So I think they're going to take best player available and Lovey Smith is now the head coach there as a defensive guy. So if he perceives that Kyle Hamilton is the best player in this draft, I think that he'll have an opportunity there, but I really like the fits of the giants, to be honest, five and seven is their, their selections. And I really like the idea of getting him and Xavier McKinney in two high shells and just rotating them. You know, one goes down, one goes to the middle field. I think the Giants are a really good fit. But, I mean, for the question, I've been told by someone very close uh, to the, you know, to the scouting community, a former scout actually, who has told me that basically every team has a top 10 grade on Kyle Hamilton. A couple of them dropped him below after he ran the 4-5-9 in the 40, but it wasn't a ton. There was only a couple teams. So he's still perceived around the league as a top 10 pick. I think 11 to the commanders is the absolute floor, but also, although I do think that 10 is probably the least, the lowest that he can go. So he's still a top 10 pick. It's just the value of the safety position. I feel like is the main talking point with him right now. Not so much him as a player. Well, and that surprises me because I feel like safety should be a higher priority based on the way offenses are playing their games these days. I mean, it's a pass happy league. Safeties can get you in and out of defenses. He can come into the box. He can get, you know, obviously he's very versatile, 
and things like that. But I would think a safety would be extremely important, right? Right up there with, you know, dynamic pass rushers because yeah. it can affect what you do in the passing game. Now, obviously I'm not Kyle Hamilton's agent, although I <laughs> to be, um, but so you're, you're saying he doesn't fall b- b- below 11. Yep. <sighs> Number one, where should he go? Where do you think he should go? We've yeah. talked about where he may go. Where do you think he should go? I want your opinion on that. Well, I feel I feel silly always saying this to people because I think people kind of believe that I'm probably a little biased because I, you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I cover the sport, but I've traditionally been a lot harder on Notre Dame players because I I feel like I have just seen them so much that sometimes I overanalyze them. Yeah, you know exactly. Like you're very, I'm very understanding of like exactly what their weaknesses are, where they come from, the whole background stories, all that type of stuff. So I feel like I overanalyze them sometimes. But even with that in mind. I think Kyle Hamilton's the best player in this draft, regardless of positional value. Now, that's going to move guys up like offensive tackles, defensive ends. That's why he's not going to be the first overall pick, right? right? But I think that he should still go somewhere three to seven, somewhere in that ballpark. Is He's the best player in the draft. And when you're a right. bad football team like this is, and it's not a top-heavy draft, I'm of the belief that you take the best player available. And if he's sure. the best player available, I would take him. So I think three through seven is somewhere that is a realistic landing spot. Okay. Um, I hope he goes as high as he, as he can, though. So. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, if I had a team in the top five to ten, I would want them to take Kyle Hamilton. There's no question about that. Uh, but that is obviously not the case because my team will not be picking until tomorrow. Uh, but is is uh, is Kyle going to be in the green room? Is he going to be in Vegas or is he doing his own thing? Do you know? Have you heard? I'm not I'm not actually sure about that. Um, I know they released it at some point, but I, I can I can try to find that on Twitter though. This um I'm I'm assuming that he would have been invited, but I'm not hundred percent sure if he's gonna be sticking in at his home in Georgia or if he's sure. gonna be heading to Las well, Vegas. I haven't seen I haven't seen like his mug on a lot of the NFL yeah. pub, the publicity stuff today. Uh, on their Twitter and stuff. So that leads me to believe that he's probably not going to be there, but I, I hope he is though, Vince, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, ho- I hope all the top players are there. I know there's a couple that have already said they're not going to be, but it's just been such a down year from like a publicity perspective for the draft. I feel like there's just a lack of interest because there's not great quarterbacks in the, in this crew, obviously. So I, I hope, and apparently he is in Vegas. So that's good to see. I, I really hope that there's a nice crowd. There's everybody of the top prospects are there because they, I mean, it being in Vegas is a good start, but they need to generate interest for this event because sure. people watch it. But this year, I just feel like there's just like not a lot of excitement over it because of the quarterback debate and sure. it just being such an un, like an unquantifiable top half of the first round. Like you have no idea what's going to happen this year, which makes it fun for me. But for sure. other people, they lose interest in it, obviously. Well, and and from a publicity standpoint, is it wrong that I really want you know Marcus Freeman to be there with him and obviously not the last guy? I mean, I would just love that piece even though he was never Kyle Hamilton's head coach he mm-hmm. was his coordinator and all that stuff I, I think that would be that'd be fun for me personally yep. so I, I would enjoy that but there are other guys obviously that are uh wanting to be drafted tonight with a possibility of being drafted tonight and obviously that next guy would be Kyron Williams it decided yep. to leave a, a year of eligibility on the table at Notre Dame decided to come out are you hearing anything different or any any late news about Kyron Williams where he may end up? And then we'll talk about well, then we'll talk about where you think he should uh, he should come off the board. At. I think we can both agree it's not going to be tonight, and so we may yeah. be having this conversation again tomorrow uh, yep. during the mailbag. But he's still draft eligible, so let's chat about Kyron Williams. 
Yeah, I actually felt good about the recent news I've heard about Kyron because I have seen him now in a lot of fourth and fifth round mock drafts where, you know, at one point you thought maybe he can go second round, you know, definitely somewhere on day two possibly after his um, after his combine performance. Obviously, that hurt him a little bit. But I've been told that there were a lot of third round grades on Kyron Williams around the league. So teams still like him a bunch. There's a couple fourth round grades. But I, I just want to – put this out there real quick just because there's third round grades doesn't mean he's going in the third right, round that right. just means that's the value of player i already talked about the volume in this class so i think there's a possibility you might hear his name on friday night i, I think it's possible somewhere in the third round if not i think he's going to go pretty early on day three i think fourth round is probably a good spot for him because at the end of the day some people might question his ability to be an every down ball carrier, which is fair because he's a smaller guy. He's 194 to 199 pounds during right. this draft process, right? So he might not be a guy that's a full volume carrier. He could be, but he might not be. But the baseline is is that he's the best pass blocking running back in this class, and he's a dynamic player as far as a pass catcher. So I, I find it hard to believe that he falls anywhere past the fourth round because I think he just brings such a baseline as a pass catching running back. What do you where do you rank him as far as like a big board of running backs? Like where does he fall for you in this draft? I I had him as my fourth ranked guy. Um okay. so I had Brees Hall from Iowa State at number one, you know, 217 pounds, 439, 40-inch 40, 40 vert. Like that's a pretty easy one, right? And he's he's a really good player. I had uh, number two was Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who obviously just had a dynamic year after transferring from Wake Forest. Number three, I had Isaiah Spiller out of Texas AM. Not the most dynamic athlete, but Another guy that's around 220 pounds and really physical. And then I had Kyron that slotted in there fourth. I feel like okay. the top two guys are your players that you can project to maybe being three down type backs. I mean, there's not really a bell cow in the NFL as much as there used to be, but those sure. are guys that I think can really carry the heavy workload. And then I think Isaiah Spiller's more of the vein of like a Chris Carson out of Seattle where he can be the main ball carrier, but maybe not anything in the receiving game. That's anything to talk about, right? Like he's a early down ball carrier. And then after that, you have your smaller running backs, like the Kyron Williams, the Tyler Beatty's, the James cooks out of Georgia, the guys that are going to be maybe more of niche roles in the NFL, but still have obviously a very significant one at that. Do, do you see do you project Kyron Williams to be a guy that could be on the field for three downs or is he pretty much going to be a third down back like what or e- even if it changes early on in his career to what it could be later on in his career and depending on obviously the fit of the team that he goes to yeah I, I think that he, I compared him a little bit to Devonta Freeman that obviously was a really good player sure. with the Atlanta Falcons and is kind of you know stuck around the NFL for a couple years I, I think that there's a situation where Kyron can come in because Kyron has very underrated contract contact balance and physicality as a runner. Like he's always leaning forward, man. I feel like he just finishes forward consistently. So I think that he has a the if, if he falls into the right spot, I think he could be a, a more of a high volume carrier than people okay. kind of give him credit for. And I think that he can catch the football. But the important part, Vince, is like that the the baseline is so important in the NFL draft because I mean, at worst, I think that he's a situational player who can play a lot of snaps. Like he's going to be a part of a committee approach. So there's a baseline. I mean, like when you're getting, especially into the day three range, you're talking about a lot of guys that need to play special teams or be a designated pass rusher, or they have some type of, some type of niche that is their baseline. Kyron Williams has a baseline where he's going to be a pass protector. He's going to catch the football and hopefully more. And if he's more, that's fantastic. But at worst, Kyron Williams is going to play a lot of football in the NFL. I absolutely agree with that. I think any team that actually ends up picking him up is going to be really happy. 
I, I just wonder, I wonder if Kyron Williams is going to be happy with where he ends up going. You know oh. what I mean? I mean, when you come out, yeah, I mean, he was going to be the dude, obviously, if he comes back. Now, again, we've talked many times about how deep the running back room is at Notre Dame, but he would still be the guy if he was mm-hmm. still at Notre Dame, right? No matter how deep the room is, right? So yeah. I just wonder where he would have to go for him to be happy. You know, uh, I, he would he would have to go number one overall. For him to be happy. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite part about Kyron, man, is the yeah. fact that like he is just such a competitive dude, and sure. people go all nuts over the testing stuff, right? Like four six five in the forty, thirty two inch vert, like it wasn't good stuff. But you can't quantify just how tough of a dude he is, how competitive right. he is. Like right. I just I find it hard to bet against Kyron Williams at this point. I think he's going to be a tremendous player in the NFL. What, whether what role he plays is the question mark. But I think that there's just some things about Kyron that you just can't quantify. Like sure. you just can't, you can't just put a label on him and saying like, oh, he's just a 199 pound back that runs a four six five. I think he's a really talented player, really talented, and he's competitive as all heck. Well, I think people have been overlooking him for a long time. You know what I mean? Pretty much his whole career. You know yep. when when he had a, a a really good game in the the blue gold game, for example, it was like ah, it's a blue gold game. It doesn't matter. And then he got the what, the the one carry and fumble, and he was done for that year. And then he had a great year. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. I think people have been overlooking him for a long time. And I would say overlook Kyron Williams at your own peril. That's what I <laughs> that's what I would say. Um, he's gonna carry quite a large chip on his shoulder to whatever NFL city that he gets drafted to, and it's gonna be fun to follow his career. Next up on the list, we'll stay on the offensive side of the ball with another guy who decided to leave a year of eligibility on the table, and that would be Kevin Austin, a wide receiver. And His, I would say, and we've obviously talked about this an awful lot, his was the most perplexing decision, in my opinion, to leave Notre Dame. I think he's the one that needed the most work of anybody that had eligibility left and and the option to come back, especially with the depth chart that he left behind at Notre Dame and the, you know, the opportunity to get better. And so if if Kevin gets drafted, I shouldn't say if, when Kevin gets drafted, Mm-hmm. he's going to have to be developed. I mean, I don't, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to walk in and all automatically be your number one wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe he develops into that eventually. So what are you hearing about Kevin Austin and what he can bring to an NFL team? I'm obviously he's going to be drafted based on upside, but you know, is that what you're hearing from NFL people about where he is? Because, you know, he tested pretty well, but I mean, you, you turn on the film and he's an unfinished product. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating to kind of follow along with this one because, like you said, you're at first like you know probably could have just really needed another year in school, like he needed another year of production. And teams, some teams are going to hold that against him that he only had one year of real production, right? Like they're going to do that. But then he goes to the combine. I, I was on track, like I thought he was a sixth to seventh round pick going into the combine. Sure. And then he runs four four three, thirty nine inch vert, eleven foot broad six, seven something in the three cone, which was just a, a, a silly time. And then you're kind of like, my vision is we have now seen, you know, Chase Claypool went into the combine. It's probably a third to fourth round pick. He leaves a second rounder to the Pittsburgh Steelers with how he tested. Miles Boykin is in a similar ballpark. He was a late round player who went in the third or fourth round because he tested as a elite athlete, like not a good athlete, a, a absolute elite rare athlete. So I felt that, Kevin could climb as high as the third round. He could go somewhere in the fourth. Like I felt like that was kind of the new sticking point for him. The recent thing that I've heard though, 
is that teams are still not really budging off of that late rounds projection. They they're worried about him, you know, from a playing perspective. So there's still majority or late round grades, but I am just going to say tentatively here. The, there's a the very cliche, you know, it only takes one, right? Like it and it does. It only takes one. I will say if Miles Boyd can go third or fourth round, I think Kevin Austin could go third or fourth round because I think his upside is higher and teams tend to gamble on upside. But around the NFL, it does seem that they value him just a little bit lower than maybe a fourth round value, like potential to go there. Like he might be available in the fifth or sixth round. Either way, I still think Kevin Austin is definitely going to get drafted. Like that type of athlete does not does not go undrafted in my opinion. Well, and I think with Kevin, it's going to be interesting because if you take a flyer on him in the third or fourth round, it could really benefit you. You could get a player that is above that caliber eventually, or you could get a guy that showed what he was on film at Notre Dame. I mean, it's it's you're taking a chance. And that one team, like you said, it only takes one, but that one team could really end up benefiting from drafting Kevin Austin in the third or fourth round. It could be a real... I mean, that could be a steal for them at that point, let alone if he falls to the sixth or seventh round, he could be an absolute steal at that point as well. So I agree with you. I think he's definitely going to get drafted. I just think there are so many question marks about him. If I had a ton of confidence in my my wide receivers coach, if I knew that he was mm-hmm. got a guy that really you know pushed fundamentals and, and was teaching the game as opposed to somebody that's just more of a an X's and O's guy looking to move on, you know, that kind of, but like a, a almost like a, a career wide receivers coach, you know, like a, a, yeah. I would feel very good about taking Kevin Austin a little bit earlier than maybe some other teams would be looking to take him. You, you have to put him in a position where he's going to get coached and he's going to get taught. You have to. Exactly. And, and I also don't, I, I don't know this Vince, maybe, you know, it, Brian would definitely know it. I don't know how much special teams he's played in his career too. I just talked a little bit about that's like the big sticking point for day three sometimes. And I mean, in theory, 6'2", long arms, 4'4", speed, explosive. Like, you would think that could be a really good coverage player, if nothing else. But I don't know if he's ever done it. I'm sure he'd be willing to do it because that could be the difference between a round, you know, a round valuation or so. But I just – I don't know exactly how much special teams, if any, um, he has played during his career. I'm really not sure. Well, and, you know, whether he's willing to do it, too. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, what those conversations are like. Obviously, if I'm in a job interview, I'm willing to do anything and everything to get the job. I would assume that that would be the answer. Um, But, you know, I don't remember him being on special teams very often at Notre Dame, and he didn't really have much of an opportunity. He had one healthy year, right? I mean, yeah, when he was younger, but I, I, I don't remember seeing him a whole lot. Again, Brian would know the answer to that better than I would, but. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting for Kevin to see where he ends up. I, I think that that, for me, is the biggest question mark in this draft outside of maybe the next guy that we're going to talk about. And we we talked about the fact that this is a very weak quarterback class. Uh, I, I overheard you talking uh, before the show started. You, you were doing an interview and you were talking about the quarterback class. And I, I'll tell you what, this is a this is why this draft is so could be chaotic because there just aren't the quarterbacks out there that are difference makers, et cetera. And it's a weak class. I mean, it just is. Mm -hmm. So Jack Cohn, who spent one year at Notre Dame, obviously the rest of his career was at the university of Wisconsin. He put himself in a position to be drafted, uh, I think. And uh, obviously that is my opinion. I, I am obviously anxious to get your opinion as well as to 
what you're hearing about Jack. I think he's a very uh, high floor, low ceiling kind of a guy, a guy that can, you know, go out there and win you a few games, be a a good quality backup for you. I don't think he's, you know, he's obviously not going to be necessarily a full-time starter. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I think that he could definitely be a guy that you can count on in that quarterback room, et cetera. But what are you hearing about Jack Cohn and, and where he might end up? Yeah, no, it's, it is a really weak quarterback class up top. But although it is weak, I still think there's going to be three to four quarterbacks taken in the first round because it's Crazy. just – it's the it world. Just is. Yeah. It just yeah. Is. I mean, I mean, literally, I keep reminding people that EJ Manuel was the 15th overall pick when he came out. Christian Ponder was the 12th overall pick. Jake Locker was the eighth overall pick. Like it just it happens each and every year. So Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and even Desmond Ritter, I think, have, are gonna go in the first round, which is pretty crazy. But for yeah. Jack, I have maintained I think Jack's gonna be a gonna be a draft pick. I, I he has he has mid-round grades, which means fourth to fifth round, somewhere in that ballpark. Now, people are obviously questioning the upside, so he might go a little later than that. But either way, he's got draftable grades across the league. And in this class, that after you get past the first four or five developmental-type players, like you just don't have a good baseline of dudes. And Jack Cohn, for everything that he is not, which is, you know, he's not a great athlete, obviously. He doesn't have the strongest arm of the world. But what he is is he is consistent and he is accurate. And any time that you can count on a player like that, he has a chance to stick for a long time. Jack Cohn is one of those guys. We've talked about this before. I think he can, I think that he's a player that is going, you're going to blink your eyes and he's a seven year pro and he just stuck around for a yeah. long time. Yep. Maybe even started a couple games. Like, I'm not saying that he's going to be a full time starter, but like, I think he can get you out of a football game. So I sure. think Jack's definitely going to get drafted. He presents a great baseline. He's had a really underrated draft process. He went to East West Shrine and he had the best week of any quarterback there. Went to the combine, had a high as, uh, a vertical as high as Traylon Burks, surprisingly, right? So, like, he has just aced every part of this situation. And, I mean, if it comes down to how he did in the interview room, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be quite fine. So, I think he's a dra- I think he's going to get drafted. I would be surprised at this point if Jack Cohn does, does go undrafted. And and I, I did you say where you think he's going to go? Do you think he's going to be a, uh, a mid to late third day guy or what? I, I'd say fifth to sixth round, somewhere okay. in that ballpark. Yeah, because okay. yeah. he's got mid round grades, which means some people value him in, like in the fourth, like early day three. But I, I just I, I think that there is some skepticism over what's a developmental potential. He's more of a floor guy than a ceiling guy. Absolutely. So, uh, just for fun, since we're talking quarterbacks, and and obviously quarterback is the word uh, on draft day. What it, what does your big board look like from the quarterback position? Yeah, my my, my so my board doesn't take in. Um, injuries into conversation. So I actually like Carson Strong from Nevada the best. He's not going to be drafted in the first round. He'll probably be more of a second round type of option, but I think his film is just the most solid of any quarterback in this class, but he's got a degenerative uh, knee issue. So who knows how long he'll he'll even last. I mean, I I talked to a guy that's in the medical field and he told me basically he'll he'll be good for a couple years, but then he's going to develop early arthritis. So like, who knows how long he's going to last? You know what I mean? So it's not a long term investment you really want to make. Probably no, no. That, that's why he's not going to go in the first round right. because you honestly don't know if he's going to make a second contract. So it's it's a little tough. But um, I after that I would take a gamble on Malik Willis out of Liberty. He's the only guy that I would probably even consider in the first round because he's got tools for days. Like he can throw the football as. Well, as anybody in this class, he's got a strong arm. He's an incredible athlete. It's just, man, coming out of that Liberty offense, it was incredibly dumbed down. It was a heavy RPO system. They didn't ask him to really go beyond the right. first read and run very often. And a big step. Yeah, and the accuracy just isn't great on him right now. So it's it's a developmental player. But if he 
if he lands in the right sp- spot, like the Steelers, it's the least, it's the worst kept secret in the draft that the Steelers love Malik Willis. If they draft him, I would feel okay about his prospects because that's a traditionally a very solid program. Obviously, they win football games. They usually have a good team, and they want to run the football. I mean, exactly. they, they, yeah, yeah right. and they have a good, they have good coaching consistently. Like, yeah. I mean, there's the reason they've had three coaches in like the last thirty years or whatever uh, it is. More than that, years. Yeah. <laughs> they've had yeah, they've had three coaches. I think in my lifetime. So yeah, I mean, Chuck Noll I think was there for like twenty five years. Cower was there for like fifteen, and then Tomlin's been there for like double digit years already as well. So it's been <laughs> right. A long time, man. So, yeah, I mean, consistency. So that, that type of program, I think, fits them pretty well. Number three, I have Matt Corral, which this is this is, this is is the point of this list, right, Vince? <laughs> I am not a Matt Corral guy, man. He scares the poop out of me. Like, I am not – like, I would not gamble on him until somewhere late day two. Like, I just would not. But in this class, like, that's what you have, right? So – I think he has talent. I think he's a natural thrower. I think he's a good athlete. But again, he's coming from a system that just did not ask him to do much. Like it was very dumbed down. So as a pro- from a processing perspective, just not a huge fan of Matt Corral. I do like Sam Howell though. I really do like Sam Howell, and he comes in for four for me. I don't think the ceiling's incredibly high, but man, he he has a good arm. He's a tough athlete. Yeah. And he just he's plays a gamer. Good football, he, he's man. a yeah. gamer. Like he, I, I know that's a, a yeah. very overused cliche. type term cliche yeah. term i get yeah. that but he just he when the lights are on man that kid plays and i he just finds ways to make plays you know what i mean and i don't know how that would translate to the nfl to be perfectly honest with you it translated right. well in college mm-hmm. um that kind of a and i i i am only comparing the way that they played a little bit it was like a johnny manzel just like you just figure out a way to make plays you know what i mean yeah. how does I've that heard, translate um... i don't know yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of Baker Mayfield comps for him, which, like, I get. It makes yeah. sense, you know, yeah. to a degree. So the question is going to be upside, but I think he has a good floor. Like, he's going to play in the NFL. I think he has starter upside, you know, in the right situation. But he's another guy where it's just, like, his traits aren't great. They're good across the board. But, like, does he have an elite trait? I, I don't think so. And then at fifth, I, I threw in Desmond Ritter there just because he has arm strength. He has athleticism. But he's an early day three kid for me, man. Like, he's just – his yeah. accuracy is just so bad. Like, it's just not <laughs> good. Like, for as many good, nice deep balls that he has or nice seam routes that he throws, he th- – I mean, he'll just airmail five-yard outs. Like, it's just not a pretty, pretty sight. So, it's not a great quarterback class. I think there's a couple values. I think there's nice development in this class. But if you're looking for a starter to play in 2022, I think this is not the draft for you. Right. I completely agree with that. Let's move on to the next Notre Dame player kind of on the list after Jack. Let's talk about Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. I mean, obviously defensive lineman, and he's kind of that tweener kid. I mean, he, he played interior. He played edge. Where does he translate to the NFL? What are you hearing about him? You know, you get to talk about 3-4, 4-3, you know, all of these different things. Where is Myron at from just a buzz standpoint and, and what you're hearing about him from teams? Yeah, he's got he's got late round grades from teams, so he has draftable grades, which is nice. But the problem is that this it's just a deep class, right? Yeah. So he's going to be on the he's going to be right on the cusp of draftable or UDFA territory. He's one of the players, though, that I think in the right situation, honestly, you'd probably rather be a UDFA than a seventh round pick, because if you can pick your destination, right, that's going to give you an opportunity to make a roster. So yeah. he's a guy that. He's a guy that it's tough because I just think he's a little bit of a tweener. I don't think he fits perfectly uh, at the edge position. I don't think he fits perfectly inside. But what I do know is that he plays really hard, and he's got strong hands, and he has a good first step, 
and there is he's played a lot of football in the college level. So I think that he has a chance to stick. He just might unfortunately be a guy that's the he's the product of numbers this year, right? Like sure. he's the victim of the number game. So he might go UDFA, but I think he's a draftable prospect in a typical year. It's just that this draft is so deep within numbers this year. It's just such a high volume. So what you're saying is he's going to go to the Chargers like every other Notre Dame player. <laughs> Probably. I mean, hey, <laughs> he, I mean, I mean, would, would it be far-fetched to think that maybe he could be, I mean, because Isaac Rochelle um, had a nice little stint yeah. there with the, with the Chargers, and they have a kind of a similar profile, you know? Like, yep. they're kind of tweeners, and Rochelle obviously fit more inside at Notre Dame, but, like, if Myron could play, like, 280 and six foot three and 33-inch arms, like, you could be a rotational defense lineman maybe that has a little versatility. Like, I could see that happening. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Couple more guys that we want to talk about before we jump into some of the questions uh, that are on the block for tonight. Uh, nose tackle Kurt Heinisch. I mean, he's he was at Notre Dame for a long time. I think he's a doctor now, um, and so Kurt Heinisch is available to be drafted. I think we probably can all agree that he's probably going to be a, a you know an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. But are are you hearing anything about Kurt? I mean, his size is probably what is going to hold him back overall from a draftable standpoint. I would think. Yeah, it, it was nice to see him at the pro day be 300 pounds. That was a good step. Yeah. And he actually tested really well, Vince. I mean, he ran like 496 or something like that. I mean, so he's – For 300 pounds, that's pretty darn yeah, good. That's faster yeah. than I can run right now. I <laughs> promise you that. Easily faster than I can run right now, yeah. <laughs> I'd be lucky to crack 5'2 right, right now. Exactly. Like, yeah. He's, I mean, so I think he's a little better athlete than maybe he's portrayed as just because he played a position that doesn't really showcase that very much. But the right. problem, like you said, is – He's got like 32 inch arms, which is just, you know, very average. He's six foot two and he's played a nose tackle position as an undersized player, which is just not really translatable to how the game's played anymore. You know, it's, it's, if you're a nose tackle now, you are just a, a Jordan Davis behemoth. Like that's, that's like the type of dude that you are now. Sure. And even those guys now are running four, seven, eight of the combine, which doesn't make any logical sense. So right. I, I think that Kurt's going to be a guy that's going to go undrafted. Can he stick? I wouldn't count out Herbert Heinrich from sticking. You know, practice squad, maybe finding a, a clawing onto a spot in the final fifty-three because he's a really tough football player, man, and he's productive for what he does. It's just a question of how valuable that role is in today's league. Right, right. Another guy, uh, linebacker Drew White. Um, you know, he's that he was that middle linebacker at Notre Dame for numerous years. He's obviously got a lot of uh experience under his belt what does he look like as far as uh you know this weekend is concerned yeah i mean he's gonna go undrafted as well i i would be very surprised if he did if he didn't but he had a, it was another guy that had a really nice pro day i mean he ran four six seven i think it was and his he had a or four six five and he had a really nice shuttle and three cone and he just looked good moving around and he's going to be an undersized guy obviously he's only 230 pounds but the fact that he looked as good as he did as a mover tells me that he's definitely going to at least get a UDFA look. Like he's going to be in a camp next year. Right. The question is, can he have an impact enough in the passing game with the lack of size, and can he be a you know an active player on special teams to grab a spot? But he's not going to get drafted. But I, I think that he has done a good job in this draft process. I know when I spoke to him, you know he had a couple visits with teams, so like there is definitely some interest. He's going to not be drafted, but. I think, you know, it only takes one solid spot for him to be a core special teamer. Like, I think it's possible, but he's just a little undersized. So it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a troubling thing because he's also doesn't have he has pretty short arms. So it's, uh you know, it it's a it's a possibility that he sticks, but he's probably a guy that's it's going to be a little difficult for him, to be honest. 
They're, Notre Dame sent out a release uh, yesterday with the draftable players that are coming out of Notre Dame. There was a couple more players that we hadn't really planned on discussing, but they were on the list. So we'll, we'll go ahead and put them out there. It was, you know, kicker Jonathan Doerr. And then the intriguing one to me, and I'm not saying that he's going to get drafted. That is not what I'm saying at all, is Isaiah Pryor. Now, Isaiah, is he's athletic. I, I, I can't remember how well he tested, to be honest with you, but he's an athletic kid. I There's a chance that he could go as an undrafted free agent and stick someplace on a practice squad or special teams. Yeah. I could see him being, you know, making a, a two, three-year career out of being on special teams. I mean, he's he's that kind of an athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's something that he's willing to do. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about those guys. Yeah. I mean, starting with prior, I mean, he showed up at the pro day, I think it was like 220 pounds. So he yeah. bulked up a little bit. So I think he might be a guy that's thinking like, I might have some will safety versatility, right? Like that's kind of my, my niche. And I wouldn't be shocked if he finds a spot as a free agent. I really wouldn't. Cause yeah. he tested like a good athlete. He's going to be a great special teamer. Like there's no doubt about that. The question is, can he give you anything on defense? And yeah, that's right. a question that I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a, a realistic option for him, but he was a highly recruited kid. He's played at two very good programs. He's played football on the college level, tested as a good athlete, and he's played a lot of special teams. So that typically tells you there's a shot. There's absolutely a yeah. shot, but it's it's not going to be off of his merits as just an on-field producer on defense. It's going to have to be as a special teams ace. It's going to have to be. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, oh, and then door. Yeah, and and also, I, I have yeah. to say, I, I went back and I looked at the list and off the top of my head, I forgot about him. No surprise. But that would be offensive guard Kane Madden. He is also a draftable player uh, as well. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll go with door. first. Uh, it's bad when I pick the tick kicker to start with first. But um, door has got a strong leg. He's a good looking athlete. He's long. He'll be in a camp. There's no doubt, but he's he's just too inconsistent. Like yeah, he has right. to he has to find a spot as a, as a kickoff specialist, and he has to showcase that leg because, I mean, we saw it, right? It's it's he's an inconsistent accuracy person. And so. you have you have to be to be an NFL kicker to be one to thirty two. You have to be incredibly consistent, incredibly uh, consistent, and even then you might find yourself on the street. So that's going to be, I mean, look, I like John Doerr. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he'll find himself in a camp someplace, but that'll be, yeah. that'll be like when they bring in the sixth quarterback just to make sure that the arms aren't getting tired. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah. it is camp, it is. camp arm, camp leg. That's yeah, what he's going to be. Yep, that's, yep. Exactly, that's exactly right. And I, we'll, we'll finish it off with uh, our buddy Kane Madden, just for you, buddy. Kane Madden was an All-American in college. Yes, so he was. He was. He played. He started a year at Notre Dame. So he'll get a look. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's where it ends. And I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm sorry for anybody out there because I'm sure Kane was a great kid. I'm, I'm sure he is. And he started at Notre Dame. So, like, okay, cool. Um, But I think someone put it in the chat, like, he was – four six three in the 40 and like the vertical was like 23 inches or something and it's just it's just not he just doesn't have the traits to last on the nfl level like i don't even think he's a practice squad guy because usually practice squad guys have traits right so like yeah. he just doesn't have traits to work with i think he'll get a look because of his pedigree but i don't think he has much of a sticking point that's fair i think that that is a a very fair and balanced critique of uh, that particular player yep all right, so that we have gone through the list of Notre Dame eligible dra- draft eligible players that, uh, and the draft starts tonight at eight o'clock. So we'll be have our 
uh, eyes on that. Let's go to some of the questions from the chat. We'll start at the top, and I'll I'll pull them up here for us, Ryan. If you want to stay at the bottom and continue to star, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, first up, Tommy Guns. In all seriousness, Ryan, because I think he made he made an interesting crack before that, but he <laughs> says, "Do you have a draft get grade for the receiver from Utah that tore up Oregon and Ohio State?" Is that Britton Covey? Is that who we're talking about there? I, that is I don't, a good question. I, 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 I think that's the only. I did not watch Utah. I think that's the only Utah wide receiver that I know is of that is in the draft. And Britton Covey was there for like literally six or seven years. He's a kind of a smaller slot receiver who, who, um, small slot receiver who also has some punt return history. He's an older prospect though, so I, I mean, he, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he's a guy that you know we see those undersized receivers who have punt return ability stick all the time. So his, his ceiling is going to have to be as a special teams ace. And hopefully he develops as a slot receiver, but he's an older prospect and he's had some injuries during his Utah career too. If we're talking about Britton Covey, but good college football player, maybe won't last in the NFL, but anytime you have punt return experience and production, it it absolutely helps. Yep. Yep. No question about it. This is kind of a potentially long winded question, uh, but NH asks, which teams do you think would be the best developmental wise for each Notre Dame player projected in the draft? Each Notre Dame player. Wow. Okay. Um, this is a bit, right. this is, like I said, <laughs> show on this. But. Yeah. Um, I mean, all right. We'll start with Kyle, I guess. Right. We'll start right at the top. Best developmental outlook for him would probably be, and I'm trying to, I'm going to try to stay in the realistic side of this evaluation. Well, and you have to you have to assume also with Kyle specifically, he's going to go in the top ten, right? So you right. can't really pick a team that's not in the top ten because <laughs> right. I think he can get developed by the Bears, but they're not going to pick him, so it doesn't right. matter. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, my first my first instinct was the Ravens, but they're picking at fourteen, I think, and he's just not he's not going to get to fourteen. I, I guess I'll go with the New York Giants. I know someone in here was very pushed against the 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 Giants, obviously, but. You have a new GM in Schoen that came over from Buffalo. He has Brian Dayball now as the new head coach. I like the moves that they've made. And like I said before, I think that working with Xavier McKinney on the back end is going to be a lot, some good stuff for Kyle Hamilton. So although there's to, lots of proof for that coach staff to see exactly how good they are, I do think that they're going to be a much better team than they have been in the past. Fair enough. What about uh, Kyron Williams? Kyron Williams. Um, I mean, any team that needs a, a third down back, like it makes total sense. Um, I, I think that like, I would love him with maybe the Los Angeles chargers because they have had success with those types of guys in the past. I think back to Darren Sproles, who was kind of that third down option early on in, in Eckler's career, Austin Eckler's career, he was yeah. used as like a third down type type back as well. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I mean they have Leonard Fournette who's obviously a, a bigger back, but then they've they had Gio Bernard on the team last year. I think he might still be on the team, but like as a transitional player, Kyron Williams kind of being that that third down specialist, I think could be very interesting. Even the Cincinnati Bengals, I think there's a lot of Bengals fans in here, but you have Joe Mixon. They drafted Chris Evans out of Michigan last year to try to be that third down back, but like he didn't do too much as a rookie. Maybe Kyron Williams is your third down change change of pace back to a guy like a Joe Mixon. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And the, the one easy one for Kevin Austin, now that I'm thinking about it, is there is no better wide receiver developer team probably over the last 10 or 15 years than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they just seem to always do a great job. And it'll be with Chase. I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad for them, but like 
Yeah, I mean, they, they traditionally really develop wide receivers well. You think back to guys, you know, Heinz Ward is obviously a little bit older, Antoine Randall, Ant- Antonio Brown, um, you know, recently with Chase, who has had kind of an up-and-down career but has had some good moments. So Pittsburgh is, you know, I think a really good spot for Kevin Austin. I think an important part of Austin's situation, too, is that he is a guy that I think having a good coaching staff around him, and we already talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, coach, um, coach has been there forever up in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, and he has one of the more consistent teams every single year, it seems, are right in the playoff hunt, if not in the playoffs. So I, I like him a ton as far as, you know, just kind of being in a good system, being in, under good coaches, being under a team that is just has a consistency to him. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's a good fit for Kevin Austin. All right. And I, I was going to ask you about Cone, but for Cone, it's whoever needs a backup. Like, I right. I feel like he could fit a lot of places. Well, I had a um, I had a mock draft that um, – well, it wasn't a full mock draft. It was just the best fits for each of the players in certain rounds. I had him going in, like, the fifth or sixth round to the Tennessee Titans as Ryan Tannehill's backup. Like, I feel like that's a good spot. The heavy play action approach, yeah. quick processing. Yeah. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think somebody said also Indianapolis Colts behind Matt Ryan. Like, I, I can get on board with that. That sounds I like a good too. spot for him, yeah. And look – I'm sorry, but Jet Cone's a guy you can root for, and I would absolutely be rooting for him no matter where he ends up. So, yeah, absolutely. We have a super chat that I want to bring up uh, from Let Manager One uh, from Canada. Hey, Ryan adds Green Bay uses uh, Ryan odds that Green Bay uses both their first round picks and doesn't trade out of the first round. I mean, if it was me, I would not trade both first round picks because this is a year that you want volume. So I would probably try to take as many many of as the many swings as possible. Green Bay is an interesting one though because I don't think they're going to trade out of the first round. If anything, I think they're, they're going to use both of those first round picks to trade up to secure a wide receiver. Because right now, I mean, they needed they need they needed a second receiver forever, Vince. Like after Devontae Adams, they never did it for whatever reason. I mean, I think the highest one they drafted was like Amari Rodgers in the third round since Devontae Adams has been there. Now Devontae Adams goes over to the, to the Raiders, and they need a wide receiver, man. Like, they just don't have a guy right now that you'd be comfortable with being a first option. So maybe they mortgage both draft picks and go up and get a Jamison Williams, or they go up and get, get, get try to get a Garrett Wilson or Drake London, whatever it is. Like, they need, I think they need to take a swing, because you could sit there at 22 and say, like, hey, hopefully – Traylon Burks is there, but also do you want trade? Like it's, it, I really think that they need to get pass catchers. So I think they're more likely to trade up than trade back is kind of that long winded response there. Okay. I like long winded. All right. John says, how many quarterbacks do you see going in the first round? I think four, but none in the top 10. Well, John, I agree with the, the, the premise of it. I think that there is four. I, I talked about it before. I think Malik Willis is a shoe in I think Kenny Pickett is very highly likely. I think that Desmond Ritter is also very highly likely from everything I'm hearing. There is the question of who's the fourth. I think that a team could trade back into the end of the first round and take a Sam Howell from North Carolina. They could take a Matt Corral from Ole Miss, depending on what their flavor is, right? Um, so I think it's four. I really do. And I, But the one thing I disagree with you, John, is that I do think there's going to be one in the in the top ten. I think that there is Carolina at six, there's Atlanta at eight, and there's Seattle at nine. And then there's also Pittsburgh that could potentially trade up to maybe get into that range as well. So I think someone's going to take Malik Wilson in the top ten. Not sure which one of those it will be, but I think that it's very possible that there is one in the top ten at least. 
Okay, let's see. G Harden 370 says, I think it's well known that Kyle Hamilton has the highest floor in the draft, but what do you think is a good comp for his ceiling? I mean, I think his ceiling is he's a, he's a different player to guys like he, he's a different player than what you would traditionally look at with a with a player his size. Like some people are going to try to throw like Cam Chancellor out there. He's not a pure box safety though. Like Kyle can play in the box, he can play in the slot, but also right. he can make plays from depth as well. Oh, yeah. So I I think that he has a lot of potential to be a just movable chess piece across across the defense. So I have given him a comp to, and this is an older comp. So I don't know if there's people that even remember this guy too much, but Kenny Easley that used to play with the Seattle Seahawks that now is in the NFL. I mean, in the NFL Hall of Fame, 6'3", 215, and he was an absolute ball hawk. I think the one thing that people undersell about Kyle is that Kyle has great ball skills, man. That kid could have been a, a wide receiver in, in on, on the college level, no doubt in my mind in that sense. So if you look up Kenny Easley, Great ball skills, had a bunch of interceptions, not the enforce. I don't think Kyle is an enforcer in a similar size as like a Steve Atwater or Sean Taylor or someone in that vein. I think he's a good tackler. I think he has a pop in his, you know, in his lower half and everything, but I don't think that he's a true strong safety type. I think Kyle is a too high safety that can rotate down or rotate over the top. So Kenny Easley is a guy that I've comped him to in the past. All right. I think you pretty much answered this one when we were talking, but I'm going to throw it up anyway. John wants to know who goes first, Cone or Austin? It's it's going to be closer than I thought, John. Honestly, I, I would have said Austin, but I think it's, man, it's it's really a toss-up in that situation. I, I'll go with Austin just because I think a team is going to gamble on traits a little earlier, but it could be Cone. I mean, it's tough. It's tough, but I, I will say Austin to answer the question. Okay. Not a great reasoning behind it, but I I, I would say so. John also says, when do NFL teams start looking at players to draft? Does it start their freshman year or their junior and senior years? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so in the NFL, you have you have a group of scouts that are called Blesto Scouts, which they are always they're always grading the second year players. So either redshirt freshmen or sophomores going into their third season because you're eligible to enter the draft after your third year. So the spring before the third year of for a player that they're draft eligible, they'll go through the schools, they'll grade tape, they'll also go through and they'll take measurements of those draft eligible players, usually for the bigger schools, and they'll conduct a list that basically gives you round projections, height, weights. Um, if they do any testing, not they don't usually do a ton of testing though, arm length, hand size, all that good stuff. So John, they start the so this spring uh, after their sophomore year or after their second year on campus, whenever they're draft eligible. Gotcha. All right. John says the Panthers better take cross at six. If Neil is there, take him. And if neither is there, take Kyle Hamilton. I, I agree with the first sentiment, John, take, take Charles cross at six. You need a left tackle right now. If you're Carolina, I don't think forcing a quarterback is a good idea in this year's draft. So if Evan Neal's on the board, Take him. If he's not, Charles Cross is the guy. I, I have been on firmly that Carolina needs to fix the left tackle position. It's just not the year to fix the quarterback spot. Shane O'Shea, does Ryan have a big board slash mock draft? So we're going we're gonna to have a big board that's going to be posted at risingdraft.com. So if you want to go take a look over there. Um, otherwise, I, I posted something in the message board, Shane, if you're on the message board. Ask me about any player. I will give you a little bit of synopsis, round grades, all that type of stuff. So I did a mock draft about three weeks ago, so I'm not going to have an updated one before this. But also, if you go to irishbreakdown.com, there's also a mock draft 
on there. That's not a full mock draft of every pick, but what it is is, is I kind of break down where I see each of the players potentially going. So some team fits and all that type of stuff. All right, Ryan, I am going to take off, and yeah. so I'm going to let you take over from here. Lots of still really good questions out there, everybody, so don't go anywhere. Yep. Ryan, is, Ryan is going to answer all of your NFL draft questions. It's been real, Ryan, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Vince. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, if you want to keep dropping in questions, I have some time here, so let's keep working through some of these questions. You've been all been fantastic so far, so – um, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm taking Evan Neal with the first pick. John A1 said, John, I agree with you. I actually just went on a radio spot where someone asked me about this because it was actually an Alabama-based radio station. And I basically said, man, like for me, the best asset you have as the Jacksonville Jaguars right now is that you have Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract, right? So I think that putting the necessary elements around him for him to be successful is a big-time approach to this offseason. They spent some money in free agency on wide receivers, Christian Kirk. They also just signed an extension for Cam Tom, uh, Cameron – um, sorry, yeah, Cam Robinson. I must say Cameron Thomas for some reason, Cam, who's a defensive end out of San Diego State this year. I don't know why that just went into my mind. But Cam Robinson – but the thing about Cam Robinson is he's not very good. <laughs> so I don't think Cam Robinson should stop you from upgrading that offensive line. So – I agree with you. If it was me and Jacksonville can't trade out of that first overall pick, I'd probably take Evan Neal, but it's not going to be Evan Neal to my understanding. I think that it is I, – I think that it's going to be an edge rusher if they're stuck in that pick. So I think it's either going to be Aiden Hutchinson or it's going to be Trevon Walker, the defensive end out of Georgia. Both players in a typical year are probably mid, mid, more mid-first-round picks, like 10 to 20 type of players, but just is what it is you know, this year. So – Zach, appreciate you. Vincent Ryan, match made in heaven. Oh man, that's that's too kind. You guys are you guys are awesome, by the way. I really appreciate it. All these awesome questions. I was I told Brian, I'm like, man, they want to talk drafts. So we're gonna be here a little later today. So I love this. Is it weird from Josh Miller? Is it weird as a Giants fan? I don't want them drafting Hamilton because of how horrible they are. I talked about this a little bit, Josh, but like so yes. I mean well, let's go here. I, I think I think that the Giants are going to be in better hands than they have been traditionally. I think getting rid of Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge was a big stepping point for them. And they got Joe Schoen, obviously, out of out of the Buffalo organization, and he brought over Brian Dayball, who I was a big fan of um, for for his what he did with Josh Allen as the offensive coordinator for Buffalo. So I like where the Giants are heading. So I don't think it's quite as doom or gloom as as that type of situation anymore. I think I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay, and I really do like Kyle Hamilton's fit into that defense with working with Xavier McKinney on the back end, like I said before. So I kind of like it. I kind of like it to be honest. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that he finds a good fit, obviously. But I, I think the Giants are going to be a better fit than maybe people kind of give him credit for. So yeah, I, I think Giants are going to be in a better spot than they have been in, pa- in the past. All right, we have from DM. ND 13. Ryan, there is always a surprise in the first night of the draft. What do you think it will be the biggest surprise tonight? You're right. There is always a surprise. And it's tough this year because it is just such a wide open year. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. This is why everyone has, doesn't have a ton of interest, it seems, in this year's draft because you don't have quarterbacks up top. And there's just a lot of question marks of what's going to happen. Who's going to be the first pick? Is there going to be trades? Like, there's just so many things that are question marks. I think. If there's going to be some type of wrench in the conversation, it's going to be 
when some of these runs on positions start. I think offensive tackle is going to have a huge run early. I think defensive end is going to have a huge run early. So I think that's what's going to generate movement. Like, is somebody going to come up into the top 10 because they want to get the third offensive tackle off the board? They want to get Charles Cross, or they want to get Kayvon Thibodeau if he's falling a little bit. You want to get Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. I think that there could be movement after about the fifth overall pick because you're going to see those runs start, and then teams are going to kind of panic a little bit. Mortgage a couple first-round picks, maybe a first and a, and a day two pick, whatever it might be that gives them the opportunity to jump. But I think that maybe just the runs starting earlier than anticipated could be a really good opportunity for teams to trade. And I think that trading is going to cause a little bit of chaos in this year's draft because you just don't know exactly what's going to happen because usually teams that trade up in the drafts are for quarterbacks most of the time. So we'll see what happens. All right, we had from Daniel Wade. Daniel, thank you for your comment. Jack Cohn to Cincinnati. Jack Cohn to Cincinnati. Let me think about that for a second. Um, yeah, I, I I think that it makes sense, right? Because obviously what Cincinnati does is they value obviously playing within the pocket, which Joe Burrow does tremendously. And you know who your starter is. Like there's no controversy, right? Like you're not bringing Jack Cohn in to, to – to challenge a, a Joe Burrow early on in his career ever, right? So I think it's a good spot. I honestly think Jack Cohn would be good in just about, I mean, like him in Baltimore in the system that they run with Lamar Jackson wouldn't be a good fit, obviously, right? So like teams that utilize a bunch of quarterback run and, and you know, a bunch of rollouts and, and things like that, like that's not Jack Cohn's game. But like for most teams, Jack Cohn has a good backup to backup feel to him, right? Like I think that he can do it in most systems. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Jack Cohn for what he is. I don't want him to be overhyped for what he is, but I don't want people to un, to not realize that like he has a chance to play football in the NFL. Maybe never as a starter, but I think he's going to make a paycheck. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we got Tommy Guns, 44, re-asked to make sure Ryan sees it. Do you have a draft grade for the – oh, I already answered that one. I'm sorry, Tommy. Yep, yeah, Britton Covey already answered that one for you, sir. Thank you for that one again. As a Bears fan from Tyler Bedwell, as a Bears fan, I am really excited about Alec Pierce. He seems like he's going to be a very productive two or three, a bigger Jordy Nelson. That's funny, man. That was actually my comp for, for Alec Pierce. He's not – and when I make comparisons, it's purely from a – stylistic perspective, right? Like I'm not saying that Alec Pierce is going to be Jordy Nelson because Jordy Nelson was like a perennial thousand yard receiver during his heyday. So he was a really good football player, but to the comp, I like it a lot because I think that that's what Alec Pierce kind of does. You know, he kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit because he's this tall white receiver 
but he has a little more vertical speed than you would anticipate, and then he really wins in the back shoulder game. He locates the football very well. So he's a true outside receiver, boundary type of wide receiver. I think that he is going to be a really good number two or number three receiver because you would go look at the combine and the testing that he did. I mean, he had like a 40-plus inch vert, high four threes, low four fours. It was like four four one. I think, was the, was the official for him at the combine. And he's 6'3", 215, 220 pounds. So I, I like a lot of what Alec Pierce brings to the game. And thank you again, Tyler, for the comments. Let's go to Paul. Question for Ryan. Is defensive end the position where a team is going to make the biggest mistake this year with a high pick? That's interesting, Paul. Um, so the, I think the first pick is going to be defensive end, and I think it's going to be a mistake. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you are dead set on drafting a defensive end with the number one overall pick, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would probably take Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. I think that he is being – He's being wrongly overvaluated, in my opinion. He's one of those guys, and people forget that Miles Garrett also got this treatment a little bit coming out of Texas A&M. And I'm not saying that Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett was a freak of nature. But Kayvon's 6'4 plus, 250 pounds, 34 inch arms, and ran four fives at the combine. Like, the kid's a freak in his own right. And he's being overvaluated because he's very open that, like, I like things outside of football. And people have a big issue with that. And it's a very archaic way to look at it, right? Like, I, I don't I think it's a pretty f- unfair treatment of Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think that he's just, his flashes and his upside, I think, is just higher for, of Aiden Hutchinson. I have a question about Aiden Hutchinson. I'll touch base on him in a little bit. But then the traits versus Trayvon Walker from Georgia are close. Like, I mean, Trayvon's a better tester of an athlete. But the film, in my opinion, is just Kayvon Thibodeau is better film, you know? And there's just a projection with a guy like Trayvon. So, yeah, Paul, I, I do think that someone's going to make a mistake because I think that not only are you going to draft a guy that maybe is traditionally not the first overall pick, number one, I also think you're not even taking the best defensive end that's available. So I, I agree with that. All right, looks like Tommy Guns had another question here. Does Cincy finally go O-line to protect Burrow? Um, So – Tommy, they actually did a really good job of upgrading their offensive line this offseason. They signed Lyle Collins, who was released by the Dallas Cowboys. They also signed Alex Kappa, the offensive guard from from uh, Tampa Bay, I believe. And I think they have a they might have gotten a center as well. So they have Jonah Williams at left tackle, who's a good player. They have Jackson Carmen, I think, is going to be slated to be one of the guards. So they definitely improved it. I do think, though, that they can be in the target for, I mean, if a Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa is sitting there at, you know, their 31st overall selection, you take him. If Kenyon Green is there from Texas A&M to potentially play one of the guards or at least compete with Jackson Carmen, I think you take him. You know, it's, it's a situation where... I would not hesitate to continue to upgrade that offensive line, but it's not as a necessity like it once was. Like you can sit there, you can take a corner because Eli Apple is not very good. Chibodia Wuzier had a good year for for them, but he's been consistently a kind of an up and down player. So let's take a corner. Maybe continue to add pass rush, even though you have Trey Hendrickson, who's a really good player, and Sam Hubbard's a really darn good edge setter and a solid pass rusher, maybe a defensive tackle. But I think ultimately cornerback is probably the spot Cincinnati goes to. But if there's a Tyler Linderbaum or a Kenyon Green on the on the the on the team, I, I I think I think that it would be a really good spot for them to continue to upgrade that position. Tommy, I appreciate you as always for the question. Um, DMND13, Ryan, who's Mr. Irrelevant? If you're correct, I'll drop $20 Super Chat Monday. Wow. 
I feel like I'm obligated to say a Notre Dame player, but I probably shouldn't, right? <laughs> I probably should not. Um, I'm going to say – actually, yeah, no, why not? We'll, we'll go with the Notre Dame player just to be a little fun here because it's probably not going to happen anyway. I mean, literally, I, I said to begin this show that there were our 2,100 players in this year's draft, and you're asking me to pick one that's going to be in two, number 261 in this draft. So it's really unrealistic that I'm even going to get this correct. So I will say the – Mr. Relevant to pick number 261 in the 2022 NFL draft is Myron Tungovaloa Amosa. There you go. I'm probably very wrong, but I'm hopeful. I hope I hope Myron gets drafted. I hope Myron gets drafted. All right, we're gonna go to Matt Lass. Is it pronounced Lass, Matt? Just let me know if there's a different pronunciation for that. I appreciate it. Close my eyes and thought I had ESPN on listening to Kuiper for a second. Thank you so much, man. I always appreciate the Kuiper comments. I'm just glad I have better hair than Mel Kuiper, but I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it because Mel Kuiper is, uh, he's tough to listen to sometimes. So I'm hope that I'm not tough to listen to, but he is a guy that is, I mean, I would not have gotten started in the media side of things if it was not for Mel Kuyper. You know, like you kind of wanted to emulate that guy for a degree. He literally is the godfather of, of NFL draft evaluations, right, from the media side. Before it was him, there was nobody. Like it was, it was you know, it was just a, a, a niche thing, and it was barely publicized. I mean, when my dad was a kid, he said he used to listen to it on the radio because it wasn't it wasn't anywhere live. Like you couldn't watch it and, and whatnot. So. I take it somewhat as a compliment, but I, I hope that we can all agree that I have better hair and that I am not full of poop all the time like Mel Kuyper is now. So thank you, though. I appreciate the chat, Matt. Thank you so much. Has David Bell's stock fallen from KMA Preston? And where do you think he gets taken? Um, So, of course, David Bell is the wide receiver out of Purdue. I know Notre Dame fans are very – familiar with him because he was he was Purdue's best offensive player last year right and I think he ended up with like eight catches for 70 yards or something like he didn't have a great game because they were just keeping him obviously in front of him a little bit but I think he did have one really nice catch against them but um yeah he had that falling catch near the goal line against Cam Hart if I remember correctly so his his stock is falling it is uh it's mostly due to his testing first and foremost he's he's kind of a catch point guy like he wins mostly at 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 the catch point and and being able to win above the rim, but the issue with that is that he's only six foot one, so he's not the biggest guy. So like, how tra- is it as translatable as you would like? Probably not. But then also, I mean, he tested very poorly, like four six three, I think in the in the 40, 32 inch vert. I think someone's going to get tremendous value though because I think that David Bell has things that he does that can't be quantified quite as much. But a, a really good receiver. I, I think that he's going to go though probably in the fourth round, maybe fourth or fifth, because there's just going to be some teams that are scared away based upon the testing numbers. But I do think KMA that he is a good player. He'll get drafted. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we have Alan English. How about all those picks for the Chiefs? Right? Yeah, I know, man. Look, again, this is the year where you want a lot of picks. This is a volume draft. This is not a top-heavy group this year. So as many picks as possible, I think. And I think that they should use all of them because they're a roster where you are in – If you if you are in – the um, if you're in the market to replace players, I think that you need volume this year because you are a team in the Kansas City Chiefs who have the best quarterback in the NFL, but also he's not on a rookie contract anymore, so you don't have as much roster flexibility to make you know to make a significant splash as far as signing players and giving 
Tyreek Hill 30 mil a year. Like that just wasn't something. So having 12 picks for Kansas City, which is one of the highest ever. I think Minnesota might have had like 13 a couple years ago, if I remember correctly. I think they have met, might have had the most that's ever been. But 12 picks in the draft for Kansas City is huge for them because they have holes to fill. They have wide receiver, cornerback, edge. Like they, they have a lot of positions that they can fill, and I think that they can because it's just such a deep draft. All right, back to KMA Preston. When does the first running back go off the board this year? If it's in the first round, it's going to be Buffalo at 25. That's what I've heard. You know, that's the only team that I think is realistic that they could draft a running back in the first round. If not, it's going to go early in the second round. The running back that's going to go off the board first, I would be surprised if it wasn't. I know someone said, I think they said Kenneth Walker should be the first running back off the board. I think it's going to be Brees Hall from Iowa State. I think he's the best running back in the class. He's kind of just continued to check boxes. And from everything that I've heard, it's just, yeah, he's he's a good player, and you know it's kind of not many holes in Brees Hall. Not many holes. I mean, he ran four three nine and forty inch vert at the combine at two hundred seventeen pounds. So he's he's a really good football player, and he was a consistent bell cow over the last few years for Iowa State. He was even when Brock Purdy was you know kind of taking a step back and and regressing a little bit, and that passing game was regressing in general. Brees Hall was the was the constant. Really good football player, Brees Hall. You don't often get really good players out of the state of Kansas either. He was originally out of the state of Kansas before he went to Iowa State. So interesting tidbits on him. All right, we have seven mules. Seven mules. I feel like I want to hear uh, hear the backstory of these names, some of these screen names. But could you see teams taking more risk with this year with the overwhelming number of extra players that are going to go unsigned? Yes, absolutely. I, I think that that's why you're hearing – well, for one, not only just the volume of players, but also there's a lot of uncertainty at the top because it's not a top-heavy class either. So I think that there is going to be a lot of gambling early on in the draft. I think that's why you keep hearing Trayvon Walker maybe being the first overall pick because there's no sure thing in this draft, really. So taking a guy that has traits is worth the gamble for some people. Yeah, and I think especially late seven mules, like you're going to get guys that are getting drafted just based upon testing, like not, maybe not even tangible production in college because that's, you know, that's going to be the guys that are really, those are going to be the guys that are really prioritized after the draft. And those are going to be the guys that get the most money after the draft and can pick their destination. So yes, I agree completely. We are going to go over to Sean Kane. Next year's draft could be huge for Notre Dame. We have Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, Jason Adamalola, Jared Patterson, Cam Hart, maybe Brandon Joseph could all be first or second rounders. Yeah, um, so Sean, it's it's going to be a huge year. Me and Brian have talked about this, excuse me, a lot this year. It's because it's a decent year this year, right? I mean, you have Kyle Hamilton, obviously, who's a potential top 10 pick, and you have a few guys that are going to get drafted, four guys most likely that are going to get drafted, at least three. But next year's class is where – we talked about the recruiting momentum for a second, right? Getting these great recruits. It's also a huge momentum to see guys going to the NFL, right? And that next year's class, Michael Mayer is a slam dunk first rounder. Like easy money, in my opinion. I, he, If he sat out next year, he would be a first round pick, Michael Mayer. Isaiah Foskey is a guy that I think may have gone late first round, early second round this year. But he has a chance, I think. Everyone knows Will Anderson out of Alabama, and he's probably going to be the first edge off the board next year. But who's number two? Miles Murphy's a guy. Isaiah Foskey's a guy. There's a couple dudes that are interesting, but I think that Isaiah Foskey is as much upside as just about anybody after Will Anderson. So I think Isaiah Foskey can easily be in the first round conversation. 
Jason Adam Alola got was getting like fourth to fifth round grades this year. So, I mean, with another year of production, you have to think that he is going to be in that day two conversation, like second or third round. He's a little bit undersized, which is going to hurt him to a degree, but first step quickness, and he's he's has some plays, man. Like I remember two years ago against Alabama, where I was just like, "Whoa!" Like who is number fifty? Like I knew who he was, obviously, because I follow the team and I follow recruiting. But I'm just like Jason Emilola took the De- De- um, Deontay Brown's lunch money against Alabama. Like he really dominated him. They had a tough time blocking him. So I can see that absolutely. Jared Patterson, another one. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first round pick next year. He could be the top center in the draft. If not, he's definitely going to be a second round player. He's going to be a four year starter at Notre Dame, and he's six four plus, and he's good body, and he's phys- um, he's developing physically, and he's a really good athlete for the position. So yeah, I think Jared Patterson for sure is the top two rounder. Cam Hart's a big one. It, that's that's the wild card right there, right? Like if he doesn't develop and maybe he takes a step back, he might be a third or fourth rounder. But if he hits next year and he takes a next step forward, there is no reason that Cam Hart at six foot two and a half and probably going to run in the four fours can't be a late first round pick. There's no reason that it can't happen. So he is a guy that is firmly in the day two conversation, but could be even higher with a big season. And Brandon Joseph, if Brandon Joseph would have came out this year, even though he didn't have a good as good a year in 2021 as he did in 2020, he still would have been a second round pick in my opinion. Would have been transferring over to a better program, more consistent defense because Northwestern's team last year was not good and their defense was very bad. Being in a defense now where you have players like Foskey, like Adam Alola, like Cam Hart, that's going to be huge for Brandon Joseph to kind of play inside of himself. We've seen this spring already. He's been fantastic. So, yes, potential first round pick, Brandon Joseph next year, but definitely a day two player. No doubt about it, in my opinion. All right, from Tyler Benj, ben, Benji. Tyler, let me know how you say your last name, please. I apologize if that was terribly off. Colts take an offensive lineman or wide receiver. I feel like they need is more for wide receiver, but some mocks have an offensive lineman listed. Yeah, um, so if I remember correctly, they were the team that signed Eric Fisher last year, right? Because they lost Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. So, and now they lost um, the right guard, Glowinski, this offseason as well. So an offensive lineman would be a good idea. I mean, I think guys like Kenyon Green make a ton of sense, maybe in a Darian Kennard if you're going into day two. But wide receiver does make a lot of sense, especially if you can get some some speed on the outside because obviously T.Y. Hilton's been a guy that's been injured and is now out the door. You have Michael Pittman, who's a really good physical uh, possession receiver and can win down the field with physicality, but getting some dynamic ability, I think could be absolutely huge for them. So yeah, I, I, I think wide receiver makes a lot of sense, but offensive lineman also makes sense too, because you're going to have Matt Ryan and he's not a mobile quarterback. So being able to protect Matt Ryan, I think is huge. Going to get through a few more of these and then call it a day. What position would you take the biggest risk based on the guys in the draft? Biggest risk. Hmm. What positions? cornerbacks one because it's a really good cornerback year but I would still defer to guys who have had injury concerns like a Derek Stingley because I think he could be very special if he stays healthy and then if it wasn't and then also Andrew Booth Jr. is a guy that wasn't able to test out of Clemson but I really like him a ton so cornerbacks probably the one easy one uh, seven mules my apologies that it makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, that's one for you. NH, we're about to throw some shade at Michigan. Let's do it. 
Is the Michigan kid really worth the number one pick? In a vacuum, no, he's not. I mean, th- this is this is the thing about Aiden Hutchinson, right? He had a great year. There's no doubt about it. Like you can't question that. He had a great year. It was on, it was a Heisman finalist for a reason. He's a talented player in the sense that he's six six plus, two hundred sixty five pounds. Has a really nice first step for his size, which kind of takes you off guard a little bit. He's good hand usage. And yeah, there's there's a lot of things to like about Aiden Hutchinson. He ran a crazy three cone number, like a really good one. I don't see flexibility and bend on film though, which I'm kind of like, I, I just don't agree that it translates to film, right? So I think in most years he's a 10 to 20 type of prospect, like a first rounder, yeah, but not 10, like not number one overall. It's more the product of the fact that it's not a great year up top. Like it's not. You're you had a I mean, like I like Kayvon Thibodeau a ton. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Kyle Hamilton, but there are people overthinking a couple of these prospects. And I think that I think that Aiden Hutchinson is just a player that's pretty clean, right? Like he has a high floor to him. I just don't think there's a massive upside. So I don't think he's worth necessarily the first overall pick, but I think that it's very possible it's going to happen. Either him or Tremont Walker. David Flores, which Notre Dame player do you see the Dallas Cowboys drafting? Um, I, I'm trying to think of like needs in the top of my head, right? Like they're not going to be in range to take Kyle Hamilton. They don't really need Kyron Williams because they already have Tony Pollard, who's kind of the change of pace back. Kevin Austin makes a little bit of sense. I mean, they lost uh, obviously Amari Cooper. So if you're going to try to supplement some young athletic wide receiver that maybe could develop, then yeah. Okay, cool. We, we can, we can figure that out one out. Kevin Austin's worth a gamble probably somewhere in the, in the day three range. I think it makes a little bit of sense. I mean, they can always take Jack Cohn as a backup later in the draft. I mean, I think they have like Cooper Rush who's, eh, you know, not, not a great backup. So yeah, I, but I would say the best is probably Kevin Austin just based on need. They, they need to continue to build that wide receiver unit. Cause although they have Michael Gallup, returning who he's been often injured and you have CD lamb who's a good player, but continuing to add to that wide receiver unit, it's probably a good idea. Mark Applegate. Do you think that the NFL should add added more rounds to give more players a chance, a chance or a chance Mark? I don't think so uh, just because they're going to get a chance regardless. Like the same number of players are going to be taken into camp, whether they're UDFAs or not. And then honestly, when you get into the seventh round range, a lot of players would just be like, I'd rather go undrafted so I can choose my destination. Right? So regardless, the same opportunity is going to be present for guys. And it's not really a huge money difference between seventh round and UDFA. There's UDFAs that get paid more than the first round, first pick in the seventh round. I think it was like 25 players last year got paid more as UDFAs than the first overall pick of the seventh round. So I don't think you have to change the number of rounds or anything. I think that no matter how you cut it, the same number of players are going to get the same, same amount, you know, same amount of, of um, possibilities and, and opportunity. So I don't think you need to change it. it it's simple. It like, I, I would compare it similarly to like your pay, your pay, your paycheck, right? Like if you get paid, let's say, two times a week, so bi-weekly, or you get paid once a month, you're still making the same amount of money technically, right? Like we're not talking about tax for a second. I'm just saying we're talking about base pay. You're making the same amount. So either way, you're going to get the same amount of players that are going to get workouts or get into camps. So that's not going to make more opportunity for you. It's just going to make it more opportunity for guys to get drafted, which is nice. But like at the end of the day, guys care about making a roster because that's how they're going to get paid. Like it's not just for getting drafted because guys get cut all the time and they have to go into the real world. So 
I, I think that for me, for me, it's it, you don't really need to change anything. It's the same amount of opportunities are going to be out there. All right, we have Irish Gordian Knots says. Sorry, I was looking something out. I uh, can't remember if this was asked. What player is currently on Notre Dame's roster has the highest chance of being a future top 10 pick? Uh, I think Isaiah Foskey is probably right up there as far as guys that are going to be draft eligible next year. Michael Mayer, they're probably the two guys that I would point to and say they're the most realistic guys because I think I think Isaiah Pryor has top 10 upside as far as athleticism. Like I really do. So he's a guy that I think could be there. Michael Mayer could as well, although teams tend to not draft tight ends quite that early. I know we saw obviously Kyle Pitts go top five last year, but that's kind of an unordinate and like, that's not a usual thing, right? Like it's pretty unusual to see guys go that high at that position. So, uh, but I think that he can, cause I think he's one of the best tight ends to come out in some time. So, uh, but I, I'll, that's right now the only players that I'm willing to say have top 10 upside because we just haven't seen the younger guys. Right. I mean, there's guys that have outstanding athleticism and could eventually get there, but like tangibly, you just haven't seen it yet. All right. Do you see Foskey being in the same position as Thibodeau and Hutchinson next year? I talked to Brian about this last um, in the off season. I think that his trajectory could be similar to Aiden Hutchinson next year. If Aiden Hutchinson would have came out last year's draft, 2021, he did not come out because he got injured, but if he would have came out, he probably still would have been a very firm second round pick. I feel like that's probably what Foskey would have been this year. Early second, maybe sneaking into the back end of the first round, but most likely an early second round pick. Hutchinson goes back, has a great season, puts it all together. Now he's a potential number one overall pick, at least a top five pick. I could see the same thing for an Isaiah Foskey. I think his trajectory is even more realistic because he's a better athlete. Like he's bigger, longer, more athletic. I think he has the potential to go in that range next year. Like I think that his, I think that his trajectory could be very similar to an eight hundred. Yes, I do. All right, a few more. Going to get through all of these because I love you all, Matthew Smith. What is your Kyle Hamilton tanking like on um, ranking like on a big board? My first time here. Sorry for repeating this question. I'm sure you get asked this many times. No, Matthew, you're fine. You're fine. It's your first time, so you haven't heard it before. I so on my boards and my evaluations, I do not put positional value into the conversation because different teams value positions differently, right? So I have Kyle Hamilton ranked as my number one player in the class. He is a safety, so he will not be anywhere near the first overall selection. I mean, we're talking about three to Houston, maybe four to Jets, like three through 11, somewhere in that ballpark. So he's not going to go to the number one overall pick, but I do think that he has that type of upside, man. Like the only player in this draft that I think has rare talent would be Kyle Hamilton because you just don't see six, four and an eighth, 220 pounds, 33 inch arms playing safety, walk around earth too much. Like that's a pretty rare type of athletic profile. So he's my top player in this class and I think he should be a surefire top 10 pick, like no doubt about it. All right. We got KMA Preston. In your opinion, who has the NFL, uh, best NFL draft broadcast ESPN, ABC or NFL network? I hate to give, ESPN any credit, but I always watch ESPN for NFL Drift. Um, I tried to go to NFL Network a couple years ago, and I just didn't like it. Like, I just didn't like the flow. The analysis was fine, but, like, I'm always going to stick with ESPN. Mel Kuyper, he, he does a good job, obviously, of kind of presenting the players and having background. And I'm not a huge Todd McShay fan, but, like, I think ESPN does do the best job as far as NFL Draft coverage on, on the during the actual draft anyway, not as much the analysis before then, but, yeah. 
We have Ash Rob. As a Packers fan, I want a wide receiver in first round. Who do you think they should pick in the first round? So, Ash Rob, if they stay there, their first pick is at 22. I think players that will be on the board in that conversation there could be Traylon Burks from Arkansas, could be George Pickens from Georgia, could be even Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Some people really like Sky Moore. So those are the the players that could be available there. The only other thing, though, I will say is Green Bay has two first-round picks, obviously, so you package those together. If there's a guy that you really like, like let's say they love Jamison Williams or they love Garrett Wilson or they love Drake London, the three kind of assumed top three receivers in this class, then you can package those up and go trade up. But I think if you're sitting there, Traylon Burks is probably the best player that's going to be available of the wide receivers. All right, we got John Leahy. Any rumor about who, what position New England could take with their first pick? The the player that I keep mocking to them, John, is Devin Lloyd. And De- if you're on the message board, you'll see there's a little bit of a, a concern over some medicals for Devin Lloyd. But I think he just fits that style so well, man. Like he is a long athletic linebacker who kind of plays a lot like Jamie Collins at his peak. So I really like Devin Lloyd's fit into the New England Patriots defense. He just he just screams New England Patriots to me, like long arms, athletic, and play between Mike, Sam, and Will. Like he can do a lot of different things. So I like Devin Lloyd for the New England Patriots there with the, I think they have the 21st pick, if I remember correctly. All right, so Matthew, just a quick comment said, I want, um, Matthew Smith said, I want Brees Hall for the Jets at 38. Fair. That's fair, Matthew. If you if you pair him, if you pair him with Michael Carter that they got last year from North Carolina, who's a little bit of a smaller change of pace back, I like it a lot. Yeah, I think so. And it's funny, the guy that I keep comparing him to, and again, this is not a tr- career trajectory comparison. This is just a style a play style comparison. He reminds me a lot of Curtis Martin when Curtis Martin played. Like really patient, great vision consistent, maybe nothing flashy about him, but like just gets the job done. So yeah, I, li- I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Coach Koch has a couple back to back. What are your thoughts on UDFAs? Who has a good chance of landing that way outside of the draft? So uh, out of the guys that we're talking about, obviously I think that Myron, Tungvaloa, Mosa may be a guy that's in UDFA territory just because of sheer volume in the draft. I think that Drew White's a guy, Kurt Heinish, is another guy and um, who has the best chance of landing. I think Myron is going to be a tough guy to cut in the camp. I really do. Cause his versatility He's played inside. He's played outside. He's a guy that's played a ton of football at Notre Dame team captain. Like he's, he's a good kid, man. I think he's going to be a tough kid to cut in camp. And then second question from coach Koch, any chance that other than the obvious get picked up post draft? Yeah. Like I just said, I mean, I think, Kurt Heinish is going to get picked up. Drew White's. If Tungo Valoa Amosa gets doesn't get picked, he's going to get picked up. I think Jonathan Doerr is going to be in a camp. I don't know if he'll last long in that camp, but yeah, I, I think that he'll he'll get an opportunity, though, in my opinion. Coach Cops, appreciate the questions, my friend. We're only a couple left here. Only a couple left. I'm going the extra mile for you. I hope you appreciate it. When will the first tight end go off the board this draft? This is a tough one, KMA Preston. It's tough. It's tough. I can tell you who it is going to be. Trey McBride, tight end out of Colorado State. I would be very surprised if it wasn't. I think someone said 38 to the Jets for Brees Hall. I know they spent a couple, <coughs> excuse me, free agent contracts on the tight end, but like I still kind of like his fit with the Jets. I know it's probably less likely to happen. They late first round, early second round for Trey McBride. I think that he could potentially sneak in there because he's he's been looked at as a very 
versatile player, extremely physical, but then he ran four, five, six at his pro day. So he's a pretty good athlete as well. So appreciate you. Tommy Guns, back-to-back questions to end this podcast. Tommy says, Ryan, if if it was money or Super Bowl champions can't have both, you can still win in the playoffs. Would you prefer to go three uh, top three to five or 29 to 32? If it was money or Super Bowl championships, can't get both, but you still win in the playoffs. Would you prefer to go top three to five or 29 to 32? In this draft, 29 to 32, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to pick three to five this year. I want top three, 29 to 32, and I want a lot of volume. I think that there's going to be a lot of misses at the top of the class this year. The volume and the depth is where you win in this draft, in my opinion. So 29 to 32, absolutely. Last question. Who has a better NFL career, Kyron or Kevin? I hope they both have great NFL careers. I hope it happens. Um, I will say that I am just more convinced that – I'm just more convinced that Kyron is a guy that I would not bet against, right? And it's no shot against Kevin. I think Kevin's a very talented player. It's just Kyron is just consistently, whether it was at a high school recruit or as a player at Notre Dame or even now, he's an underrated player. And I don't think that you can quantify how good of a football player that kid is and how tough he is. So I would not bet against Kyron Williams. I just... I just would not, just would not. Tommy, oh, Tommy just commented, I mean you as a player. Oh, Tommy, okay. So would I rather go three to five or 29 through 32? I'd rather go three to five. I mean, bigger paycheck, right? So <laughs> I knew you were going to be on a worse team, but I mean, money talks, right? So I uh, appreciate you all so much. Please, before you leave this podcast, you can like, subscribe to the podcast, hit the notification bell. We're going to be doing a bunch of random shows probably here in the new future for some, some quick um, quick updates over the NFL draft stuff, quick reactions, doing all that type of stuff. So please hit the notification bell. If you want to sign up for the message board, it's right below me, boards.irishbreakdown.com. Would really appreciate if you would go check it out. I have a thread, again, of some NFL draft analysis. I'm going to be breaking down every pick over the next three days, 261 picks. Also have some kind of tidbits in there that I'm kind of hearing from the rumor mill. So go sign up for the for the board. Of course, there's recruiting info, team info, everything you need here at Irish Breakdown. want to thank everybody again for taking some time today. Thank you for joining myself, Ryan Roberts, Director of Scouting here for Irish Breakdown, and Mr. Vince D'Addario, the football analyst here as well. We appreciate you for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast. Enjoy the draft.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.